0: Welcome to the Angle of Pursuit podcast. Uh, I am your host, Kyle Robert. You uh, always follow me on Twitter, NotoriousKRO. Brian Twining. uh, We are here to talk some dynasty, some uh, rookie drafts. um, And Jared Small is here to help us do it. So uh, I was going to do like a random draft order to see who goes first but jared since you're the guest you get the you get the honor uh. Of, uh, of the one <laughs> the one-on-one uh. so uh and for for everybody scoring at home we're gonna do half ppr this is not super flex uh so i want to and i know i uh, jared said oh I'm, in ppr i'm gonna go with clyde over the <laughs> in and standard i'm gonna go with Jay, uh with uh, uh Jonathan Taylor. yeah so we're gonna go half ppr and we're going and we're <laughs> going to put the bullseye in your head and let you go yeah. so uh you have the first pick to tell me who uh who your 101 is
1: yeah and if you have 101 even in full PPR and you can trade down to 102 even mm-hmm. to pick up anything else extra i do it cuz these guys are so so close for me but i do have Clyde edwards number 1 in PPR and in half PPR that'd be my lean right now too um you yeah. know, and i think the only way he would have ended up number 1 in my rankings is if he went in the first round to the Chiefs. And that's exactly what happened. And so yeah. he has the draft capital. He's the, Kyle would the first running back and Andy Reed team has ever taken in the first round of the draft. Um, yeah. I, I think everyone at this point has heard the the Brian Westbrook comparison. Mm-hmm. Andy Reed thinks that, you know, Edwards is a better version of Brian Westbrook. Brian Westbrook played under Reed for eight seasons. He went over 1200 total yards, five of those eight seasons. Um, a- Andy Reid just throughout his career has produced, Awesome fantasy numbers from his lead running back. Um he's had he's had a top sixteen PPR running back in sixteen of his twenty one seasons. He's had a top ten running back in ten of his uh twenty one seasons. And again, this is you know this is the biggest in draft investment Reed has ever made in, in a running back. So I expect Everett Zeller to come in right away and be the lead back. You know, not a three hundred touch guy, but um you know I think I have him projected right around two hundred twenty touches with like fifty of those being catches. So mm-hmm. I think right out of the gate he can he can flirt With RB1 numbers in PPR and you know, maybe just below that in half PPR.
0: Yeah, I I think it makes a lot of sense. As you mentioned, the draft capital is really important. And I guess before we keep going on him, in general, like obviously you want to see that draft capital, you want to see the team investment, but when you're kind of picking, you know, splitting hairs and deciding you're doing your rankings for rookies or whatnot. Um, how important is that draft capital to to where you kind of ultimately follow these players?
1: Yeah, it's important. I mean, I think um, if, if you if you look historically, draft capital is probably more correlated with fantasy production than anything else. Um, it, it doesn't and it doesn't necessarily mean that players better. It's just if you're picked high, you're going to get opportunity. You're going to get more prolonged opportunity, even if you struggle out of the gate. So yeah, draft yep. capital definitely impacts my rankings when I'm going from you know pre-draft to post draft.
0: For sure, and and Brian, you know, I I think like like he, like Jared said, there's there's a couple guys, and if you went any of the directions, I don't think it's crazy to say, and that's why trading back probably makes a lot of sense if you have someone who's really strong and wants to come up and and, and pay for that pick. Uh, but Clyde Edwards Alaire, we you know Damien, we talked about it a few times, but the Damian Williams experience, like they've been trying to replace him, and they're throwing different options, and they brought in Luka McCoy, and uh, I. Here goes Andy Reid again. So uh, yeah, I think think he's a great fit in this offense. I think he's going to do a lot. And obviously the Chiefs were in a spot where they had so much talent all, all over the field that they could be a little more aggressive and kind of find a guy that fits their offense so perfectly.
2: Yeah, I actually think he he slides into probably the largest workload of the top three backs there, just kind of because how you alluded to how they've been trying to replace Damien Williams. I mean, they even brought Spencer Ware back, who he was kind of non-existent through most of last season. Um, it, you know, in regards to what he's looking at in terms of touches, I, we're not looking at like a twenty-touch a game guy, but just the fact that their offense is so explosive. You know, him him averaging about. 15 touches a game is pretty high. And the fact that they're going to be in the red zone a lot, I think I could see him putting up double digit touchdowns as a rookie, even with say a,
0: a shared workload with Damien Williams. Yeah, no, I, I, I can totally see that. And, and, it's definitely, uh, definitely makes a lot of sense. So Brian, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you take the second pick. Uh, you have the one out where are you going?
2: Well, I mean, during the draft, I, obviously made it clear that my top running back was Jonathan Taylor. So one would think that I would go with him here, but I think I would probably, I would probably go with Deandre Swift just because I feel like, I feel like Detroit is kind of over the carry on Johnson experiment Mm -hmm. and they're just, they, they want to see somebody different in the backfield there. I think they kind of swift was the second back off the board. Uh, I think Jonathan Taylor has a little more competition for touches. I mean, you got Marlon back there who's plenty serviceable and Naheem Hines who is more than likely going to fulfill that kind of Austin Eckler kind of role for Phillip Rivers. So I think the, like, receptions might be limited for Taylor in his first season. And I see Swift more of, you know, getting a lot more looks out of the backfield as a receiver. So I I, I would go his, his direction here with the possibility of him taking over for carry-on.
0: Yeah. No, I mean – uh, Jared, I know you were tweeting out some stuff <laughs> earlier, so hit, hit us with those nuggets. But uh, I, not a direction I would have gone, but I, I I totally get it.
1: Yeah, I have I have Dobbins. Or, or, sorry, I have DeAndre uh, Swift, like sixth overall. He's my he's my <laughs> running back uh, four, actually post draft. I, I just I mean Matt Patricia came from New England. He's talked openly about preferring a committee backfield, and you know I. I still like Karrion Johnson. I think DeAndre Swift is probably better. I would bet on DeAndre Swift having more touches, having more fantasy points or right out of the gate. But I do think it's going to be a committee backfield. I mean, I don't want to read too much into this, but Detroit also spent a fifth-round pick on Jason Huntley, who's sort of an undersized pass-catching back. I don't know if he's going to be involved this season, but that just sort of you know speaks more to the fact that I do think it's going to be a committee. And DeAndre Swift, I was never convinced he was a 300, even a 250-touch guy at the NFL level even before the draft, because he never reached 200 carries in a season at Georgia. And I think he might be more of that 200 carry 30 to 40 catch guy in the pros. And I think, I think that's, I think that's the role the lions probably envisioned for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, his best case scenario is like an Alvin Camaro, right? Like a, a guy that, that, that is a part-time player. That's super explosive. That obviously if he hits, if he hits that ceiling, like that, that's amazing. But uh, we also, you know, we're comparing the new Orleans offense to Detroit. And as much as I like some of the pieces Detroit has and the potential if Stafford returns with Galladay and Hawkinson and whatnot, uh, to be much better, I, it's still Detroit. And, uh, yeah, so I, I get the Swift. I, I like him. I liked watching him at Georgia, but, uh, yeah, he's my, he's my eighth overall run, uh, eighth overall player in my RB four as well. So, um, yeah, um, uh that that's where I'm at. I feel like you could Balls to the wall, gentlemen. Well, hey, if you like Swift though, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I mean if you like Swift, trading back is gonna be key for you because I think you can get him at 103, 104 and be very happy and get assets in the process.
1: Yeah, and we're uh, talking about a guy who we're talking about a guy who most most people had as their RB1 pre draft. Yeah. So I mean it's it's certainly not crazy to think he just comes in and sort of pushes carry on aside.
0: Well, and that's the thing too, is like we we it's we have these pre-draft rankings and then we watch the draft and then some people will take them and basically throw them out the window. And it's like, what'd you do all the work for? Why'd yeah. you put in all that time? Why'd you have all these thoughts? If as soon as they go to a team and it looks like it might be a little murky, like carrying on Johnson has to play football in basically what, a year? Like how, how what do we know what he's going to do? You know, is, is he going to return to full health? You know, he still had issues and question marks kind of, even before he got injured. So it wouldn't be shocking to see Deandre Swift kind of take over the lead bo- lead role, maybe get 60, 70% of the touches um, and, and then, you know, carry on, just be kind of a, a complimentary back. But as you mentioned with Patricia, you never know, but that could change next year. He could be out the door and we could see a whole nother offense. Um, I'm going to keep the wild cards coming with my one Oh three and I'm going to take JK Dobbins. Uh, my number one running back, in this class, I love him. Uh, I think he can be involved as a pass catcher. I think he's a tremendous runner. Um, and I love the fit in Baltimore. I think I think he is the starting running back next season. I think this year he's a part-time performer. So in redraft leagues, I'm probably not going to be quite as optimistic about him. Uh, that said, if I can get him in the right range, um, you know, I, I, what do you think is fair, Jared? Sixth round? Like seventh round? Do you think... Do you think I can get a better value than that? If you're talking redraft for uh, for JK, yeah,
1: I just did my projections for him today. Um, he, he, I think he came out in the in the low thirties based on you know his PPR points and where that would have landed him last year. I, I I tweeted it out too, and I said he has upside well beyond that. So I think yeah. ideally in redraft, I'd, I'd want Dobbins as my RB four, someone okay. I'm not relying on week to week. But you know, again with the upside, I'd be fine with him as running back three. I think he's going to come in right away and see basically at least the Gus Edwards role, which Gus Edwards carried like 130 something times last year. So you were talking mm-hmm. eight to 10 carries per game out of the gate. Mark Ingram, I, I've always been a huge fan. He's going to turn 31 this coming December. Um, I think it's, you know, about time where, you know, he's going to hit the wall. So I wouldn't be surprised if even over the second half of the season, Dobbin sort of emerges as the lead guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like right now I I'm doing my projections as well uh i have him penciled in for about almost 150 rush attempts 700 yards three to three or four touchdowns um and then i think he can be involved in the passing game as well so uh yeah i'm i'm pretty optimistic like i think he's a guy that like i traditionally like to wait on running back so if i can get him as the guy with upside and then take some more safety guys even if it means taking them later and and taking dobbins earlier i'm happy to do that but as a dynasty asset like I'm so comfortable taking this guy as my one oh one. I think the upside is absolutely there. And like I mentioned, you know, if you look at Mark Ingram's contract situation, they can yeah. easily cut cut bait after the season and he could be the feature back with Lamar Jackson and, and we know how important that can be. Uh Brian, how, how are we feeling so far through three picks?
2: I feel good, man. You know, I got a running back. I I like Deandre Swift's potential. I, like you said, if they somehow uh, decide to go a different direction than Patricia, I think we're looking at an offense that would probably take, take shape as more somebody who would be looking to utilize one guy as opposed to a rotation. And that would kind of propel
0: Swift into the lead role. Especially with Trevor Lawrence under center next year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's going to be playing Uh, in New England. uh, I can't wait. Uh, all right, Jared, we'll we'll go back to you. It's like a regular rookie draft. You're you're back on top again. Uh where are we going with the one oh four? I think you're I think you're yeah, pretty you good. You
1: guys let me get JT at 104. Yeah. And I'm I'm ecstatic. Um I, I, I think people are still underrating how good this guy is as a ball carrier. Um Averaged 151 rushing yards per game over his three seasons at Wisconsin. 6.7 yards per carry. We know he blew it up at the combine. Tested as a 90th percentile spark guy. Obviously, the the knock, and it, I guess ball security is knock. I don't ever worry about that stuff. I think it's a bit random, and I think it could definitely be corrected. Uh, we've seen plenty of guys, you know, Tiki Barber comes to mind who couldn't hang on to the ball, then he got that fixed. So I'm not worried about that. Yeah. The, the concern with Taylor is the pass catching. I'd say he's unproven as a pass catcher. I don't know if he's uncapable as a pass catcher. He did have the 26 catches, 252 yards, five touchdowns last year. Um, he was actually 14th among draft eligible running backs in yards per route run, According to Pro Football Focus, he was ahead of guys like DeAndre Swift. And Clyde Everett's a layer. So I think I think there's pass catching upside there, but you're drafting him for the rushing upside. You know, I think this is a guy capable of like winning NFL rushing titles in the next mm-hmm. couple of years now, especially in this spot in Indy behind that offensive line. You know, I think it was a top five O line last year. They're returning all five starters for 2020. So um I think Taylor's gonna come in and, and sort of push Marlon Mack aside um, and, and sort of be the clear lead ball carrier right out of the gate.
0: Yeah, I think that is the question. Like there is, and I, I was reading Bill Barnwell's article about, you know, 32 players that could be cut. And he mentioned Marlon Mack as the Colts option. And, and you know, it's a lot of times they're trying to put, you know, okay, find a, a player that would be reasonable. And I mean, if they like Hines, we talked, you know, Brian, you mentioned Naheem Hines. He's, he's a guy that as a pass catcher, you really like uh, and would be a great compliment to what Jonathan Taylor wants to do. Um, you know, it, it, the two guys would make a lot of sense. I guess my concern going in my, I have two concerns, I guess if Marlon Mack stays, what does that kind of share look like? Initially it may be a little more 50 50, but you know, Jonathan Taylor is a stud. Uh, but Marlon Max shown a lot when he's healthy, when he's on the field. Um, and then what does this team look like post Philip Rivers? Because obviously I like the idea of Rivers being there and what he could do. And, you know, we'll talk Michael Pittman hopefully and uh, kind of the way the offense is shaken up. But, um, like, there's also a scenario where they're going to a rookie quarterback or and, and the offense isn't coming quite as, as nicely. But with that offensive line and with Jonathan Taylor's talent, um, you know, I I get people taking him as their one-on-one and I wouldn't fault anyone who does that.
2: I, I could completely agree with that as, as we were talking, like during the draft, I had Jonathan Taylor as the best running back in the class, just as a pure runner. And kind of like Jared said, you know, he wasn't really used in the passing game, but we did see him get increased looks this past season. And it's not like he was inefficient by any means. They, They just didn't run an offense that, through to the running back at all. So I think yeah. he's kind of like you said, he's unproven, but I don't think it's something that he's not capable of.
0: Yeah. Good old good old Wisconsin uh quarterbacks, you know, they can they can't really throw it. So
2: <laughs> Yeah.
0: I mean,
1: Melvin Gordon didn't put up big pass catching numbers at Wisconsin and he's turned into nope. a, you know, above average
0: pass catching back as a pro. Oh, to- totally, totally. And uh, you know, that, I could totally see like 30, 30 to 40 catches within his first couple of years as a as a, as a a
1: season long. That's all you need when you're rushing for 1,500 yards.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns out another 20, 30 catches, you're, you're golden. You're looking exactly. at an RB1 for sure. Uh, all right, Brian, you're back on the clock. Uh, are we going to keep this running back train going, or uh, are we going to switch up positions?
2: No, I'm going to go with the pick that I kind of lamented during the draft and I was very upset about, but I think I'm going to go C.D. Lamb. I mean, out out of all the receivers, I think he's the most skilled. I think he's stepping into a situation where, although he's kind of the third option right now, his skill set is set to be able to break off huge gains. I mean, even if he's going to get five to six looks a game, he's bound to break one every other week. And then eventually we'll see what the Cowboys do with Michael Gallup. If they decide that they want to go with Cooper and Gallup, CD Lambs or with Cooper and Lamb, Lamb steps into probably taking over, for cooper as the number one guy and if if they if they lock up Dak, i mean we're looking at a guy that's going to be putting up 100 catches
0: 1500 yards you know fairly soon in in the big d yeah i'm i'm really curious i think uh obviously on draft night we look at this team in, in sort of a, a a narrow focus and you go oh we have cooper and Gallup, and what do, what do you need another awesome receiver for but like I was. I just started my Cowboys projections, and I'm looking at like Zeke, Amari, Gallup, and nothing else. Like obviously, we like Tony Pollard's potential and kind of throwing some stuff in. But I guess Jared, where where do you fall on this? It, it is, is Lamb your number one wide right receiver, and, and kind of do you, how much of an impact do you think he could have in an offense that has so many, uh, you know, other pass catchers?
1: Yeah, Lamb's my. Uh, wide receiver one and i have him fourth overall so i, I like the pick from Brian here at 105 um, i mean just talking about immediate opportunity randall cobb saw 83 targets last year jason Witten leaves behind 83 targets you know i'm not sure that's a number blake jarwin's gonna get to so I, you know i think there's there's a, a path <laughs> to lamb even hitting triple digit targets this season um yeah. and, and just being in this passing game. I mean, this basically any metric you look at, this was a top 5 passing game last year. And I think with guys like Cooper and Gallup on the field, you know, Lamb's efficiency should should be awesome in Dallas. Um, and then longer term, I think he's talented enough to emerge as Dallas's number one wide receiver, you know, even maybe by 2021. and Then Amari Cooper's contract, if you look at it, Dallas can get out of that pretty easily after um 2021 if they want, and Michael Gallup's going to hit for agency at the same time. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think within two three years, there's a decent chance Lamb is Dak Prescott's number
0: one wide receiver. Yeah, and that's that's something I definitely want because I, it, especially as Amari ages, if they decide to keep him around, I could see him kind of falling back as more of an, a, a second option in that offense with Lamb emerging. Uh, like you mentioned, they could just cut bait with Amari completely and, and go with Gallup and and see Lamb. But yeah, I mean, Lamb was my number one receiver uh, coming in. I like the fit, um, and as much as it kind of made us scratch our head a little bit, and you know, easy to fun, poke fun at Jerry, uh, Brian. It's it's a good player in a really good offense, and and the potential for him to to be a fantasy monster is absolutely there.
2: Yeah, it's, speaking of fantasy terms, I love it, but I mean, just as a Cowboys fan and somebody looking at so many other needs that the team needed for to like win a championship, it, it to me it just wasn't the right pick. But I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. That's for sure. I think,
1: I think Jerry Jones said he was like sixth on their board, right, overall. So, I mean, it was definitely a best player available kind of pick, which I, I never think is a bad idea.
2: No, no I mean, you, you can't go wrong taking the best player that you feel at that position, especially if he's ranked that high on your draft board and he's fallen all the way to 17th. I mean, you're getting great value out of, out of that pick.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of teams are going to really regret, like, the Jets, the Raiders, even San Francisco, like, letting him go that far imagine him and Debo like in San Francisco. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, okay, looks like I am back on the clock. Um, I'm in an interesting predicament. I think I'm going to keep the, I'm going to start the wide receiver run going, and I'm going to take Jalen Rager. Uh, Jared, um, guy I didn't like uh, when I was watching <laughs> some of his 2019 tape. Uh, you suggested I go back and watch some 2018 tape. Saw a guy I like. Uh, I love the fit. I love the potential in Philadelphia, uh, offense that clearly needs receiving help. Um, am I being too aggressive by taking Jalen Rager here?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I, I do have Jerry Judy ranked ahead of him, but, um, you know, I have Rager eighth overall, so I don't don't think you're too out of line here. Yeah. I, I was a fan of this guy. Pre-draft, he was my wide receiver five. Actually, had Rager one spot ahead of Justin Jefferson. So I, I was I was happy when Philly took Rager over Jefferson. Just you know, beyond liking Rager better, I think Rager gives the Eagles more of what they need in that wide receiver core, which is which is speed. um Yeah, yeah like you said, Kyle, the um 2019 was ugly. He just he had no shot with the quarterback play he was getting. But, you know, he he broke out as a as a true freshman at TCU, had a huge 2018 season, um, tested well at the Combine. So, yeah, I'm a big fan and the immediate opportunity is obviously there.
0: Yeah. I mean, outside of Ertz and and uh, Goddard, there's I mean, there's a lot. And he kind of fits in, I think, with the, what they want to do a little a little more, you know, underneath passing game. uh Brian, uh, Jalen Rager in Philly, like, got to be excited, right?
2: Uh, I I'd, I'd love the pick when they made it just because how you just said, like he fits exactly what they wanted to do and what they needed out of the passing game. Cause they got the two big guys running off the ends of the line of scrimmage. And they needed that guy on the outside who can kind of get open, which most of their receivers really struggled with. And we've seen Rager. He's got great hands, creates good separation after the snap. Like
0: he's, he's going to become Carson Wentz's favorite target down the field really quick. yeah And they use that first round draft. Uh, pick on him so obviously they yeah. like him they have a plan for him uh jared what's what, what's your read on this jalen Hurts stuff do you do you think he's a guy that is more of a you know impact like Taysom hill one you know use him gadget plays type stuff or do you think this is a let's protect cars let's protect ourselves because carson Wentz yeah. gets hurt every year I think it's
1: more the latter. I mean, I don't, it was a strange pick, especially after they invested so much in Carson Wentz. I know he's had injury issues, but I mean, w- when they're paying him what they are, you got to sort of be all in. And Wentz being your guy, um, I don't know. I think that the Taysom Hill thing—that Taysom Hill is such an exception to the rule. Like, I don't think yeah. we can bank on Hurts playing that big of a role for Philly. Um, so it was—it was a strange pick. I was—I was. I was I wanted to like Jalen Hurts as like you know a dynasty sleeper just because of that mm-hmm. rushing upside, but obviously in Philly he's he's I think
0: undraftable outside of two quarterback leagues. Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, I don't know. Part part of me like in in like a super flex, I, I'm always willing to sure. take a shot on some of those kind of guys. But yeah, I think in in, in regular dynasty, just one quarterback leagues. Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you. Uh, okay, Jared, you are back on the clock. Are we going to we going to the Mile High City?
1: Yeah, I'm going Jerry Judy here. Yep. Uh, tough choice between um, Judy and Cam Akers for me here, but I'm going to lean Judy. Um, the, the landing spot, I think there's there's pros and cons. I mean, the tar- target competition is pretty stiff with Cortland Sutton there, who really emerged as a stud last year, and then mm-hmm. Noah Fant, who I think um, had an encouraging rookie season, and I expect to take a pretty big step forward. Um I mean, beyond that, though, I mean, K.J. Hamler, I like, but he's not going to be a high volume guy. So I do think there's a, a pretty clear path for Judy to be right there with Fant as the second option in this passing game. The biggest question, obviously, is Drew Locke. Um, you know, we didn't get to see much of him last year. I think he sort of had an uneven career at Missouri. So he's he's still a major question mark. But, you know, Judy, I, I, I can't rank him lower than I have him just because I think he's that good kind of a player. I mean, he was right yeah. there with C.D. Lamb for me. As the wide yeah. receiver, one in the class. Um, so again, I just think talent's going to win out here, and he's going to be just fine.
0: Yeah, I am. I'm 100 with you in terms of him as a as a pass catcher, as a route runner. Like he is exceptional, and I think he's a great complement uh, to what Cortland Sutton does. Noah offense obviously there, but I, I do like KJ Hamler. I might be a little more optimistic. Uh, the Deshaun Hamilton experience is clearly not going to work, <laughs> so they're trying another. Penn State uh, slot guy, but uh, Brian, what's your read on this whole Broncos offense? I mean, Drew Locke, here's your shot, buddy. You got a loaded, <laughs> loaded lineup. You got all, you know, you've been our Mr. Bronco, uh, mm-hmm. re- repping them hard. So uh, talk to me about how, how this offense is shaking out. I I think Denver is really going to take the next step in, as far as their offensive
2: evolution this year. With, with the draft selection of Jerry Judy, I think that's going to – open up more opportunities for Sutton. Who's not going to see as much over the top coverage. I think Judy's going to kind of demand a little more double coverage. Cause he's a little bit of this quicker guy. Like he's going to be able to get off the ball a little bit faster. Sutton's still going to be that over top, like just throw those jump balls with Drew Locke has the great arm for uh, no Fant is going to likely see a lot more opportunities just down the middle of the field, running those seam routes. Uh, I, I, I love the Broncos this year. I would even be willing to just wait to the end of the draft and take my chances with Drew Locke as my quarterback in a redraft league. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think this is the year that they kind of show out and we see them go from a 17, 18 point a game offense upwards into like the low twenties, 23, 24, just with the addition of Judy, Melvin Gordon, the second years of, of uh fan, because he's Sutton again. So yeah, I, I, I like the Broncos. We'll just leave it at that.
0: Yeah. I mean, their offense definitely has pieces that they didn't have Melvin Gordon weighing them down. Like think about how good they could be. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Jared, have you done your projections for Denver and kind of how do you, how do you see this uh, offense shaking out in year one?
1: I did do my projections and Drew Locke's going to come up quite high in my quarterback rankings. Um, I'm not sure I'd go as far as Brian saying he, you know, take him as his quarterback one in redraft, but I, I'm thinking best ball at this time of the year. And I think Drew Locke will be one of my favorite quarterback two targets. I um, mean, even if he's inconsistent i think the ceiling game should be there with these weapons i just love how all these weapons fit together you have you know Sutton like the the big bodied alpha you have judy the separator you have hamler the speed guy out of the slot i I see a lot of ty hilton in hamler Mm -hmm. you know ty does a lot of his damage from the slot um and then you know you got Fant, and then you even got albert oakway boonham who you know if something happens to Fant. i think albert o sort of can step into a similar role as that speedy tight end
0: Yeah. We give John Elway so much shit for his draft. (laughs) He's actually uh, assembling a a quiet, quietly nice little roster. So uh, props to props to Elway. But yeah, Drew Locke, you're on the clock, buddy. Like you need to show it this year that you're you're the guy because that, you know, there's going to be. Do you think like uh, because they they signed who they signed as their backup Jeff Driscoll or something?
1: Yeah. Uh, yep.
0: like th- it seems like it'd be a good spot to bring in like an Andy Dalton if they could swing it.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, I, I sure. know they paid him, but, uh, like having somebody where if drew lock falters just to have a reliable guy in there, uh, yeah. maybe I-, I don't know. Can Cam Newton seems like a, a bit of a stretch at this point, but. I mean, he has to go somewhere. So I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I think. I
1: I mean, I think Dalton makes sense. I mean, we've seen him put up nice numbers with with weapons around him. The other, uh, the other move that Broncos made this year was um, Pat Shermer as offensive coordinator, which which I like for the passing
0: game. Shermer's had some productive passing games in his NFL career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and that another another puzzle piece that seems to fit just right. Let's see what you got, Denver. Uh, Brian, you are back on the clock. Um, Where are we going? Well, I'm going
2: to go with the first wide receiver off the board in the real NFL draft, and I'm going to go Henry Ruggs here, and I'm marrying myself to what's happening in Oakland. And if it's Derek Carr or or whoever Gruden brings in, he's got his weapon that he's going to be able to throw the ball down the field to, and if they can get some sort of rapport going, he steps right into wide receiver one kind of opportunities because we saw Tyrell Williams he's kind of a complimentary piece he's not Mm -hmm. the guy that could just kind of take over a receiving room uh with Josh Jacobs back there we all know teams are going to have to defend against the run because they're they're kind of built off the running game and they're going to be a lot of opportunities for play action passes which is going to leave downfield opportunities open very similar to what Kansas City does with uh, Tyreek Hill Mm -hmm. so I love the opportunity to take a guy who can just run past everybody and just get open for big armed quarterback.
0: Jared, where are you at with rugs? Cause obviously this is a guy, obviously the first receiver off the board. So he's got the draft capital, uh, a guy that, you know, was kind of in that second tier right behind lamb and Judy for most people. Um, <laughs> but now he's a Raider. Now he's with Derek Carr. Like how, <laughs> how excited, <Yeah. laughs> can we, how excited can we get about him? You know, obviously has potential, has a ton of things that make you, you know, pop off the page, but I just, I can't, I can't get quite <laughs> in there. So I, I spent
1: most of the pre draft process bashing Henry Ruggs. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I think he was my, he was my wide receiver seven pre draft. Um, I, I, you know, guys with his level of college production just, don't tend to hit at the NFL level. And I know we played with a fellow first rounder and Jerry Judy and, you know, maybe two other first rounders next year and Devontae Smith and uh, Jalen Waddle, but even factoring that in, I think Ruggs's college production was underwhelming. Um, that said, if you can get him at, you know, what was it? One eight here. And I've seen Ruggs going in the early second round of some dynasty drafts. I think that's a fair price. I think I, I've gotten close to where, you know, everyone else is on rugs at this point. Um, like you said, he has the draft capital. He has an immediate opportunity to lead the Ra- raiders and targets. I also I think I think rugs is a better fit with Derek Carr than you might assume because Henry rugs was not a downfield guy at Alabama. He only had four catches of twenty he only had four catches twenty plus yards downfield last season. He did his damage on short and intermediate stuff, and then picking up yards after the catch, he averaged over yeah. ten yards a catch last year. So you know that that, that's Derek Carr's game so I think if the Raiders know how to use rugs he actually could fit with Carr pretty well
0: yeah I mean we're relying on John Gruden but yeah he was a yak (laughs) monster and he has the ability to as soon as he gets the ball in his hands to flip a switch and be gone and and that there's a lot to like and obviously uh you know the upside is there uh but yeah I'm 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 closer to you like Right now I'm I, I have him as my wide receiver nine, so that tells you where I how oh. I feel about him. Yeah. <laughs> uh probably a little little aggressively too low, but yeah. it's fine. Um all right, let's keep this train rolling. Um I'm with the ninth pick, and I think I'm gonna go with somebody that Jared mentioned, uh, and that's Cam Akers. Um a guy that going into uh, Florida state was highly, highly touted. Obviously that offense has been a mess for a couple seasons and, and cam Akers saw a lot of eight and nine man boxes, uh, not a lot of opportunity to run the rock. Um, but this is a guy that Devi owners will tell you that they've been stashing for a long, long time. I, I have a share myself. Um, I think in terms of opportunity and in terms of fit, this is a great landing spot. I don't feel good about anybody that you know, is out. Uh, it's in the Rams' uh, backfield as we speak. Gurley's gone. Um, you know, we'll see what what some of those other pieces end up being. But I think Cam Akers can steal this job. I think he's good enough to do that. Um, I think this offense should be still pretty good, um, even in a even in a tough you know tough division. Uh, but I feel like if I can get Cam Akers at the back of the first time, I'm pulling the trigger every time.
2: I think it's a great spot to take him at just for kind of the value you're getting there, especially for the first couple of years. But I, I'd i be a little worried just with kind of the Rams. We're seeing their offensive line is aging. They're losing some pieces. Uh, they weren't as successful towards the back end of last year. So that kind of – that pizzazz that we saw out of the offense of the first year under Sean McVay has kind of worn off teams are kind of figured out how to defend against that little zone read one cut offense that he was running with those three wides all the time. Um, That would be my only concern back there. And then also we didn't really get to see Daryl Henderson a whole bunch. So (laughs) I, I don't think we just see Akers take over immediately. So I could see them kind of feel it out and ride the hot hand early on. But at this point in the draft, like I think it's a great, great value there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I have Akers seventh overall, so I think he's good value here. I'm with you, Brian. I think the biggest concern with Akers is the Rams offense. I mean, I think a year ago at this time, we would have considered it, you know, a top five offense in the league, and I don't think we view it, and I don't think we should view it that way anymore. Um, but I, I do expect Akers, I would bet on him leading this backfield in touches this season, um, you know. Brian mentioned not seeing a lot of Derek Henderson last year. I think that's just because the Rams didn't like anything he was doing. Um, we'll, we'll see if he bounces back in year two. I mean, I, I never viewed him as like a lead back anyways. I always thought he was, you know, maybe half of a committee, more or more of a change of pace back. Akers has yeah. the, the you know, lead back size. You know, he handled pretty big workloads at Florida State. I think if Florida State's O-line wasn't so bad this past year, we might be talking about Acres. you know, up in that J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, range mm-hmm. of of running back talent. So, um, yeah, I I think, I think this is a good spot for him.
0: Totally. Um, before we move on to the next pick, I just want to kind of pick your guys' brain. Um, obviously the Rams drafted Van Jefferson, Josh Reynolds is there. Brandon cooks is not Jared. Do you have a preference in terms of how this may shake out this season? Or is this offense kind of taken a step back to the point where that third receiver isn't as appealing as they were in previous seasons?
1: Yeah, well, I think between the offense taking a step back and we saw the Rams start to go with more two tight end stuff in the second yeah. half of the season. And I think um, you know, with Higby's breakout and, and Gerald Everett was having a pretty nice season before he got hurt last year. So I think we're going to see more of that. So I think you're just going to see you know, uh, less of the targets had the number three wide receivers way. So I don't expect that guy, whether it's Reynolds or Jefferson, um, to be a fantasy factor this season without an injury. to one of the top two guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, nice Brian, I saw you shaking your hand. Uh, you, we're, we're in lockstep there with Jared. I think. Uh, oh yeah, uh, the second the second tight end is 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 interesting. Also, uh,
2: taking into account the division they're playing in, with Arizona's defense getting they're they're going to be much improved. Both San Francisco and Seattle, like they they have really good defenses as well. So, I this offense is just they're kind of on the downturn when for especially a young running back and as a wide receiver, rookie wide receiver in Jefferson's case, like you want to see an offense that's kind of looking to push the ball down the field and a little more aggressive, which they may kind of deviate from
0: in his first year. Yeah. Plus the whole Jared Goff thing. So that, (laughs) uh, Jared, you are back on the clock. You have the 10th overall selection. Who would you like?
1: Yeah. T Higgins for me. Um, you know, he, he was he was one of my guys pre-draft. I like him yeah. just as much, if not more, post-draft. He he was my wide receiver three pre-draft. Um, I, I dumped him below Jalen Rager post-draft just because Rager got the first round capital and, and the landing spot. I think is a tad better, but I, I love T Higgins landing spot. I think he's going to come in right away, and I think he's the favorite to win the number three wide receiver job. You know, he's going to have to beat out John Ross and Auden Tate. Um. Longer term though, you know, we know AJ Green is on the one year uh, franchise tag. It doesn't seem like he has a future in Cincinnati beyond that. John Ross Nott and Tate, speaking of them, they're only under Cincinnati's control through 2021. So, you know, I think I think by by next year, you know, Higgins probably takes over for AJ Green as, you know, the one A, one B along with Tyler Boyd. And, you know, he's tied long term to Joe Burrow, who I you know, I think is gonna, gonna be a stud at the next level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Burrow, Burrow's ready to succeed. Um, I I kind of like the direction that offense is heading. And, you know, even if AJ greens, like I could see him being traded before the season starts, I could see him, you know, he injury bugs have been plaguing him. He missed a lot of last season. Obviously he could have came back. uh, So he should be fine by the time we actually get going. But yeah, I'm, I love T Higgins. I think obviously it was kind of a frustrating year in terms of production wise, but the talent isn't question in question obviously going in the second round and grabbing him means Cincinnati's committed to him being a huge part of what they do offensively and fits really well with Tyler Boyd and I think you know like you mentioned it's a little more 1a1b than 1-2 in that offense Brian I I you know I I think you were gonna you were gonna grab him if if he had fallen one more pick so uh, obviously you're a fan as well
2: yeah, I, I we were talking during the draft how much I liked T. Higgins. Just kind of, he's he's that big-bodied guy who a lot of quarterbacks, especially young ones, are able to just kind of throw the ball in their vicinity and they can go up and make a play. They don't necessarily have to create those large windows to throw into. And we saw Burrow last year. You know, he he trusted his receivers enough to just kind of put it in their area, and these guys would go up and get it with Jefferson and and all those guys and Hilaire and Moss.
0: So, it's a Mark it, Chase.
2: Yeah, I, I like I like Higgins to step into a pretty substantial role right away, just like Jared was saying. And even if A.J. Green is there, I could kind of see them face him out of the offense just with he's kind of aging. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't seem interested in playing for the Bengals anymore. They kind of want to get their, their rookie quarterback with their rookie wide receiver going for the future.
1: I love, too, that the Bengals took T. Higgins' 33rd overall, because you, you know all day Friday, they were getting trade offers to, oh, to you yeah. know, for that thirty-three pick, and, and they they stayed there because they wanted to make sure they got Tegan. So, to Higgins. So to me, that that's that, that's basically him going in the first round. You know, he basically yeah. got first round draft capital.
0: Yeah, and and you know to your point, like the, the, this is a loaded wide receiver class. They could have easily said, "Okay, we'll move back a few picks, let you take whoever you want, and we'll be happy with whatever receiver happens to fall to us." Yeah. And they didn't do that. Uh, what's your read on this this offense kind of in general, Jared? Obviously, last yeah. year was. A lot of Joe Mixon, a lot of underwhelming offense. I think it's going to be a little different this year. Obviously it's a rookie quarterback. Yep. You can only expect so much, but I, I think you know we should be somewhat optimistic about how this offense could look.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wish they had done more to improve the offensive line. I mean, they are going to get Jonah Williams back their first rounder last year after he missed his yeah. entire rookie season. So that'll help. Um, the, the other thing, we're obviously dealing with all this coronavirus stuff. Who knows you know, what kind of offseason work we're going to get mm-hmm. in. So that's going to be a factor with a rookie quarterback but there's definitely upside with the offense i mean tyler boyd is a guy who i take in almost every draft i do just because no one likes him he always seems to be sitting there in like the seventh (laughs) round guys you know been a top 24 wide receiver in two straight seasons i think he's a decent bet to land there again um and then you know joe mixon I, i i think he's a top eight running back talent wise in the nfl if they commit to getting him the ball i think he's a running back one this season so i think there's definitely pieces to like in cincinnati
0: yeah, and if you have a Joe Mixon, if you have these offense to throw the ball to, it's going to make life a lot easier for Joe Burrow, um, even if it takes a little while to to get there. Uh, okay, Brian, you're back on the clock. Uh, make your last pick of the first round.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with the other big wide receiver that got selected shortly after T. Higgins, and I'm going to go Michael Pittman. Like I was fascinated by him entering the draft. I felt like he could have been a guy that fell into the back end of the first round. I thought Cincinnati was going to go with him. And then Higgins was going to fall with Indianapolis, but I kind of projected one of those two guys going to Indy with Phillip Rivers, who has traditionally liked to have that bigger wide receiver that he can throw those crazy cowboy style jump balls to. Um, I think he steps into like an immediate close to double digit touchdowns for Indianapolis down in the red zone as T Y Hilton will kind of take a step yeah. back into the, in the offense. And he,
0: he, he, has clear shot to be the number one guy there. He's already getting the Vincent Jackson comps. Phil Rivers is going to absolutely love him. Uh, I, I, am a huge Michael Pittman guy. I, I go back and forth with Pittman and Higgins right now. I think I have Pittman one spot of Higgins, but you know, I, I go back and forth. It's, 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 you know, razor thin, uh, yeah. Jared, where are you at with Pittman? Are you are you quite as optimistic as we are about him?
1: I have him, uh, let's see, I have him 15th over all my rankings, but I do prefer Higgins pretty easily. I like Higgins better as a player and I, I just like that he has what at least looks like a better long-term quarterback situation. Cause who knows what yep. Indy's going to look like yep. even you know, in 2021. Um, I, sure. I, I almost like Pittman better in redraft than for dynasty. Cause I did see him as one of the more NFL ready wide receivers. And and like Brian said, he steps into a pretty nice opportunity for immediate targets.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that Colts offense could be really nice. And, Obviously, we've been craving for somebody to play opposite Ty for a long time, and now they got Pittman, and um, obviously a, a lot of reason to to be excited. Um, I, I mean, I guess I'll just I'll finish this off strong with Justin Jefferson, um, the LSU wide receiver. I think a guy that is going to step into Stefan Diggs' uh, shoes pretty efficiently um, should be really reliable. Should be able to do a lot in this offense. It's just for me, it's going to be. Uh, a question of kind of what the offense looks like over the next couple of years. If Kirk cousins is the guy and you know, what, what that whole situation looks like and how, how much running they're going to do. And now that, you know, Stefanski's in Cleveland, what does that offense look like? Um, so, Brian, I mean, obviously Justin Jefferson's fun, obviously opportunity this year, but um, you know, where, where are we at with this Vikings offense kind of going forward?
2: Uh, I mean, it, it's not quite to the same level as the Rams, but as far as the passing game goes in Minnesota, I kind of saw it last year where they kind of, they took the ball out of Cousins' hands. They really relied heavily on Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, and all those guys in and out of the backfield. And I think we see like almost an, an increased amount of runs with them. Uh, I just don't have any trust in Kirk Cousins to be able to feed two wide receivers at a consistent rate. And then even when Thielen leaves, then you have the issue of uh, Jefferson being the only target there. So he's going to be seeing a lot of cloud coverage, a lot of guys over top, a lot of bump. Uh, and Cousins is not very good at letting routes develop like he, he kind of folds in the pocket. So I, I don't know. I, I'm just worried about a situation more so than the player. And yep. if for me, I would kind of be worried about that. But he's a, he's a great player. I think he's going to be really good. But yeah, it's the Kirk Cousins factor for me.
0: And and Jared, kind of like obviously, I want to get your input on Jefferson, but this offense as a whole, obviously, now they have another year for Irv Smith opposite Kyle Rudolph. Do we see more two tight end sets? Like, what is your kind of, you know, where you do you yeah. see this offense going in 2020, 2021? So
1: I think that was just as much Gary Kubiak's offense as it was Kevin Stefanski's last year. Okay. Kubiak's still there. Um, okay. So, I don't expect a big change as far as run pass split or even, you know, two tight end usage, any of that stuff. I, I do think Stefan, or I do think uh, Justin Jefferson basically steps right into Stefan Diggs' role. I mean, Diggs led the team last year with 94 targets. And that was with Adam Thielen, you know, missing what, four, five, six games, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so, even as the number two, or even if you're going to call Jefferson the 1B, I just don't think the target ceiling is that high, at least for 2020.
0: Yeah. Um, I just yeah. I mean, at, at this point, I, I feel like it's good value. Now, let me ask you guys. I'll Jared. I'll have you go first. Brian, I'll have you go next. Um, who's the one player that we didn't mention that if you were on the clock you would be picking yeah. or a guy that you potentially would take at the back end of the first round?
1: Yes, yeah, so my top eleven are all gone. My number twelve guy is Denzel Mims. Um, oh, okay, and he, you know, he he. He waited longer to, to hear his name called than I thought he was going to. You know, he ended up going in the late second round. I thought he he might be an early second rounder, but I I like the landing spot with the Jets. I, you know, I I still believe in Sam Darnold. Um I don't believe in Adam Gay, so you know, the, the quicker he can get out of there, the better. Um, but I do think Denzel Mims, you know, has the potential, a pretty clear path to emerge as, you know, Sam Darnold's long-term number 1 target. We know Mims has the size, athleticism, has a pretty good college production profile. Does Baylor wide receiver scare me. Like I was, I was a huge Corey Coleman fan. He burned me bad. You know, I don't, I don't remember the last time there was, you know, a really successful Baylor wide receiver. So that, that's the concern. But um, again, you know, at this point of a dynasty draft, I think you're looking for upside and I think, I think Mims has that.
0: Yeah. Mims is uh, a guy I can't get behind. I won't, I won't yeah. have any shares. Uh, I get Josh and 2.0 vibes. Uh, yeah. As you mentioned, the Baylor receiver, it's just, in uh, the in the hype train got built so early on Twitter. Whenever there's a hype train behind somebody, it just it never seems to pan out. So when you take that and the Baylor receiver, and uh, I, I'm with you on on Darnold. I think there is still potential there. Obviously, they have to fix their offensive line. Obviously, they need to fix their Adam Gase problem. Like there were, I saw a stat on Twitter. It was like uh, every offense um, that Adam Gase has ran that didn't include Peyton Manning were all in like the 20s. <laughs> uh so yeah yeah it turns out if you have peyton manning arguably you know one of the best quarterbacks of all time your offense is pretty good it's weird how that works out uh (laughs) brian what about you who's the next guy that you'd be you pounding the table for that should be next on this list
2: i mean honestly i would probably going i'd probably be going with burrow here i I like kind of him being tied with T Higgins. So we know he's going to have his clear number one for pretty much the duration that his first contract is under Tyler Boyd is still under contract. Joe Mixon, if they could work out a deal, like, like Jared alluded to, he's, he's a top 10 talent in the NFL at the position. And, uh, I think they can really kind of smooth things over with him. He's got a, he's got an elite running back. He's going to have two really good wide receivers on the outside, uh, they're they're building this team around what Joe Burrow succeeds at, which is what we saw him do at LSU. And I think for the for the first couple of years of his career, he could he could be one of those rookie quarterbacks who be, is fantasy relevant right away. Not mm-hmm. like the first year he really struggles, and then the second year takes another step, and then the third year is when we see him blow up. I think as a rookie, he's going to be somebody in two quarterback rosters that you're going to want to get early, like one of the first second quarterbacks off the board just for the opportunities.
0: In the kind of offense they're going to want to put him in. Yep, uh, for me, Darrington Evans, I love him. Uh, Abstate, wow. Abstate running back. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, you got, you're all like, what? do you think? Uh, I mean, do you, do you think he's more than a change of pace guy as a yeah, pro? I, I think, think he could. I think he could be a feature back. Yeah, and I, think I mean, it's interesting, back-
1: and it's interesting with Eric Henry, obviously, you know, only on the one year deal.
0: Yep, I, I'm really curious, like if they don't, if they don't extend him. I think there's a very legitimate shot that Evans is your, is your starting running back in 2021. And uh, I think this offense could be evolving. Uh, Obviously they have AJ Brown. They locked up Tannehill. Maybe they go a little more past, like maybe that's just the Titans fan of me that hopes they open it up a little bit. Uh, But when we saw the passing game, there was flashes. They have AJ Brown. They kind of have Corey Davis. We'll see what happens there. Johnny Smith, but uh i think evans is legit i think there's a lot to like about him i think he's a guy that really fits in the modern nfl obviously as a pass catcher but i think he can be a between the tackles guy i think the fact that they used the third round pick on him says a lot i mean he's basically five five ten two hundred pounds that's You know, a typical running back size, that's not like, you know, undersized by any means. Uh, If you go watch some of the tape, watch the South Carolina game, watch the North Carolina game. He runs really strong, uh, knows what he's doing, patient waits for his blockers and then gets to the hole and goes. um, I think he's I think there's a, a legit shot. He's a compliment to Henry this year and a replacement for Henry next year.
1: This is definitely a trade down spot for you because I gotta imagine you can get him oh, in yeah. like, the back half of the second round, right?
0: Right. And and that's that's where I'm you know, if I have a late first, there's a potential for me to say, especially because I think for me I I think like I like Jefferson, but I think he's closer to that second tier than he is to the elite guys. And even yeah. if I had, you know, ten or eleven, like I obviously like T Higgins and Michael Pittman, I really want them on my teams. But if I have the one ten and I can get two second rounders and I can get a couple guys, I think that might be a move that that makes sense, especially if Evans is is one of those guys for me.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I was gonna say. I mean, for me, I think um, that my, my first like. Big drop off comes after seven, after the five running backs, and then CD Lamb and uh, Jerry Judy. You know, even as much as I like Jalen Rager and T Higgins, I think there's a bit of a drop off there, so I think that's a spot where it might make sense to trade down. And and, and I do think, I mean, Higgins, I think, is going to go in the second round of dynasty rookie drafts on average.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so if you can, I I'm curious to see uh, how some of these dynasty rookies I'm getting one of my leagues prepped right now. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see. I want to. I might. I might be finding finding some picks in that that mid to late second, um, or even early second, just so I can uh, soak up some of these guys. Cause I think there's a lot of guys in this class that would be first round rookie picks in a lot of drafts, but just because of the, the depth, is there a guy you're looking at Jared, as you're looking, maybe say third or fourth round that you think might have an upside shot might have, you know, if you're, you keep finding yourself gravitating towards me.
1: Yeah. Um, Brian Edwards is someone I definitely liked. I mean, you know, he he has the you know excellent production production profile at South Carolina, had the injury concerns. But um I like that, you know, the Raiders did spend a third round pick on him. And, and I, I think he has a he has a good chance to emerge as the number two guy there. Or even you know, a, a one B to Henry Ruggs pretty soon. So he's a guy I'm looking at. Um, Antonio Gibson is a guy I'm just I I I like that they announced him as a running back, but I just I'm still a Darius guys fan. I know he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but I just wonder what Gibson's path to immediate opportunity is. But I mean, he, you know, watch him last year. He didn't get a ton of touches, but when he did, he was awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think Antonio Gandy-Golden fits in that category as a guy who could be opposite McLaurin. Um, I think, uh, who was the other? Oh, uh, Lynn Bowden. I'm really curious to see what the Raiders use him with, because I think he could be an interesting piece that kind of does a lot of everything. Obviously they, you know, they, and he's going to be a guy as a runner, as a running back, you know, spell Josh Jacobs. We'll see kind of how they deploy him. But, um, you know, the Raiders are putting some interesting pieces together that it, it will be interesting to see kind of how that offense shakes out. Brian, what about you? Any, any other names you want to throw out before we we get ready to hit the road
2: uh well jared stole uh gibson from (laughs) me i i i see him as being like their early early career like lance dunbar that the cowboys had like he's going to see limited touches early on but they're going to be using him a lot kind of gimmick plays and then he could be that what tavon austin was supposed to be for them he's kind of that quick jet sweep guy, just turn it upfield and blow past people. He's really elusive. Uh, And much like Jared, I also really like Darius guy. So I'm really interested to see how much work they actually give him. Um, Like I want to see him succeed, but I really think Gibson's like upside is more so in the passing game. But if I'm looking at like immediate impact, I like Kishan Vaughn for uh, Tampa. Just being that pass receiving guy for Tom Brady. I mean, yeah. It's not, it's not a bad role to fill for sure.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, I haven't given I, up on
1: Ronald Jones yet either though. So. Me either. Oh. <laughs> yes. we got,
0: Rojo, a, Rojo all day. This is yeah. a pro Ronald Jones podcast. I, yeah. so you're, you're in good company. I, I was, so, I, I was so happy to see the, the Bucks be a little, not, not jump into the, the Jonathan Taylor, the JK Dobbins, the Cam Akers even uh, pool and, and went with a guy who yeah. can be a compliment.
1: That's what I was gonna say. I, I hate the the Vaughn pick because if the Bucks had taken one of those first five running backs, I, I would have been out on Ronald Jones and been totally fine with it. If they waited to if they waited till the you know the the fifth round to take one, I would have been like all in on Rojo. Now it's like I, I don't know. You know, third <laughs> yeah. round, Keyshawn Vaughn. I did like Vaughn pre-draft. I mean, he's you know a guy, he, he's just solid. He's not special yeah. in the area, but he's a solid back. So it, that's just gonna be a situation we have to watch this summer and hope one of those guys emerges as the clear leader
0: yeah yeah i feel like a lot of people not the bucks are trying to replace rojo and i don't think the bucks are trying to <laughs> replace rojo so uh this is a pro rojo podcast he's going to be your starting running back and uh he's going to be an absolute fantasy monster this year that's what that's what i keep telling myself anyways
2: you better learn uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Jared, tell, tell everybody where they can find all your work check out the podcast all that good stuff
1: yeah, I'm on Twitter at SmolaDS, S-M-O-L-A-D-S. And then check out Draft Sharks. Um, yeah, podcast about once a week there. Um, our dynasty rankings are for members only, but um, all of our shark bites, we, you know, we broke down every rookie pick during the draft. Those are free. And then all of our pre-draft um, scouting reports on these rookies, those are all free. So, you know, they're before we know landing spots, but they they take a look at the film, the measurables, college production, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I highly recommend checking, uh, checking those out. Jared and, and the crew over there did an amazing job on – all those pre-draft profiles and if you're kind of you know you, you don't know some of these names you haven't watched all the tape it's a really good resource to check out and, and obviously if you uh what are so inclined make sure you become a ds insider and obviously uh get all of jared's fine work and and all that good stuff over at draft jared thank you so much for joining us once again uh always good to chat and i'm sure we'll be doing this soon uh as the season rolls along yeah thanks guys that
1: was that was, that was fun
0: uh, for Brian Twining, I'm Kyle Robert, and we'll talk to you guys next week.